Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Well, I'm joined today by uh, Lou Priolo and Tara Thompson. I feel like you guys are, uh, y'all are kind of like the stars of the Sermon Talk Back. We have a lot of other guests, but I feel like y'all frequent, um, y'all y'all are pretty Just say we're your favorite. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, people could definitely, <laughs> you know, all the Sermon Talk Back blogs that are out there where people are writing about uh, the drama of this uh, podcast, um, I'm sure that's what people are saying. They're like, oh, mm. I think his favorites are Lou and Tara, mm. so. I feel it. Anyway, well, yeah, we're gonna talk today. We, we started a new sermon series uh, called Ordo Salutis. It's a theological sermon series. We're trying to help people think through uh, the doctrine of soteriology or the doctrine of salvation. How is one saved? How, uh, obviously we talk about that a lot in Christianity, um, being saved, being born again, um, uh, being made right with God, making your peace with God. I mean, there's a lot of different phrases I think that people use to talk about this experience of um, but really, to, to use biblical language, when we, we go from being enemies of God uh, or people that are, are distant from God to being sons and daughters of God, this idea of salvation, how does it happen? Um, and uh, I hope that it's going to be a clarifying series. But this week we talked about regeneration. And so before we go any further, just any thoughts, comments about the sermon? As regeneration is kind of like the first step in the order of salvation, it your sermon yesterday just reminded me to think back on my own experience of regeneration and reminiscing on what that was like for me and how it can be so different for everybody. And you talked about you, this yesterday. You, you came to know Christ as a child. Yeah. So I, I think mine was a little bit more of a process because it was as a child. Um, and it was a lot of discipleship that needed to happen uh, before I think that I, between the regeneration and the actual like, salvation it was a process for me but it is just interesting how everybody has a different experience sometimes it's immediate and you notice it right away um some people it's more of a process right, yeah. um it's just good to think back on what our own experience was like yeah I, I i've often thought about my own salvation in the same kind of way like when was i really saved or when did i come to the lord i mean i um i never remember not uh, you know, the things I talked about yesterday, uh, repentance, uh, trust in the love of Jesus and a love for the things of God. My group in a Christian household, I, from the very youngest of my ages, I remember being convicted of sin. I remember loving Jesus and realizing my need for him as a savior. I remember, obviously I loved my church. I love the things of God. Um, I would feel, you know, as I said, real conviction. I, I even remember at a very young age having a burden uh, to tell people about Jesus. Um, mm. And so, yeah, so it's hard for me to even look back and say, when did regeneration happen in my heart? I, I know that I had an understanding of the gospel. Um, 
even as early as like seven years old, I was baptized when I was seven and I, I've never been like re-baptized. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I believe that I had an understanding of the gospel. There was evidence in my life and I was baptized at that age. You know, Imriana is now seven and I believe probably has a saving faith. We have waited to baptize her because I, I've seen obviously so many cases of people that, you know, didn't have a great understanding of the gospel and were baptized and that kind of became a stumbling block for them. And so we obviously want to be cautious with her, but I see in her those three things, you know, real repentance, a, a true trust, trust and love of Jesus and a love for the things of God. So we, we certainly won't, we're not like waiting to a particular age. I just want her to be very confident that she can share the gospel, mm-hmm. express the gospel, explain what's going on yeah. in her heart. So. And, and I think yesterday may have been the first time for a lot of people to even know that regeneration is a step in the process of salvation. Um, like a lot of people just say, well, I was saved on this day, but it is interesting just yesterday, we're going to, we're all thinking back to like when I was saved, maybe the spirit was working on me a year before then. Yeah, that's good. It's just, it's cool to look back on that. I know, I know my wife, if you would ask her when she became a Christian, she would, she would get it down to between a two year period of time. She's not sure where, where in the process, you know, the Holy Spirit quickened her but she knows it was about this time because her life changed at that point in time. And as a counselor, it's really interesting how sometimes you counsel people and they believe that they're Christians and then somehow through the process of counseling, they realize that they're not. I remember one case in particular, I had this, uh, this gal who uh, was a member of a Bible-believing church, so presumably she had to give her testimony to someone, someone uh, in the church leadership um, and the church leadership themselves, uh, based on her testimony, assumed that she was a Christian, and she thought she was a Christian. And I was counseling her, and she was struggling with sin issues. And then, um, and then I noticed, well, first of all, she was, I, I was giving her a lot of homework. She was spending a lot of time in the Word. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was a drastic change in just her level of cooperation and her understanding. And so after the second or third week of this new attitude, I said to her, Sally, what's going on with you? Something is different. What is it? And she said, all of this time in the word, all of this exposure to the truth has done something. And she said, I really think I've recently gotten saved mm-hmm. because, because the lights went on. I understand now my life is changing. I want to obey God. All this stuff happened. I assumed she was a Christian based on her testimony. Her, her church assumed she was a Christian, but by virtue of being exposed to the word of God, something happened to her. Now, was she really not a Christian previously? We don't know. Her testimony is, I believe that as a result of being exposed to the word of God, the Holy Spirit quickened me, and that's when I became a believer. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Just some people it's sudden, some people it takes place over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Some people it, uh, you know, I've definitely heard the story uh, that they came to the Lord at the worst moment of their life. They had gotten arrested. They were in the back of a, you know, cop car. They uh, had got diagnosed with cancer or something like that. I mean, something really bad happened, and that humbled them to the point of realizing their need for God. But most of the time, I mean, most of our stories, certainly with adult conversion, is you're sitting underneath the teaching of God's Word, and the Holy Spirit of God uses that to speak to your heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are some thoughts? What are the, what's, what's an impression you had on the sermon, Lou? 
Well, one of the things I appreciated was the fact that you said that um, not everyone who believes in Jesus believes in Jesus. In other words, they're kind of counts for salvation. Yes, yeah. right. They they believe in Jesus, but is it efficacious? If is it efficacious? Um, you know, some people believe that Jesus is God. Okay, that's good. Lots and lots of Christians believe that Jesus is God. People believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world. Okay, you believe that Jesus is God. You believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Does that mean you're a Christian? Well, not necessarily. Yeah. The- you, you've got to believe that when Jesus died, he died as your substitute. Mm-hmm. And you've got to receive that gift of eternal life mm-hmm. through faith. Not faith that he's the son of God only, not faith that he died for the sins, but when he died, he died for your sin and for my yeah, that's sin. That's really good. I, I, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating passage there at the end of John 2. And you know, I drew this out yesterday, but it said many believed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, I'm just pulling this out of the text. It yeah. wasn't anything that I came up with, but it said many believed in him after seeing the signs and wonders that he did, right? They thought he was of God, that, you know, but it says that Jesus did not entrust himself to them, mm. which is a fascinating passage. Yeah. And then it mm. says, because he knew what was in the heart of a man. Yeah. And I think to what you're saying, Lou, that speaks to, they believed something about him. They wanted the power that he may could offer as the Jewish Messiah or the Jewish King. They wanted access to the signs and wonders that he was doing. Like we see in like John six, they just wanted a meal. Maybe a very simple yeah. thing, but they wanted something from him. But uh, I think, I think the, yeah, but 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 he knew what was in the heart of a man, right? And he knew, as you just said, that the the only thing that really brings us into a right relationship with him is when our heart understands uh, our need for him as a savior, and then of course as mm-hmm. our Lord. I think about Simon the Sorcerer in, in the book of Acts. It says he believed and then he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. And um, Right, he's just like, okay, this is a good tool. Yeah, <laughs> right, and uh, I, I guess it was Peter said to him, your money go to hell with you. You have no poor part or portion, uh, a portion of this matter. And so, you know, was he really a believer when he, when the Bible says he believed or did he become a Christian afterwards? You know, it's interesting and we're, you know, we could probably get on this rail trail for a long time, but I was actually having a conversation last night with some people about some of the most recent um, apostasies, I guess, if Mm. you will, in kind of larger evangelical Christian circles. And, uh, you know, I was saying, you know, Christianity um, as an institution, uh, Christianity as a, uh, as a marketplace can be enticing, right? Uh, You know, think of like a Joshua Harris or, or whatever. I mean, if you write a well, you, first of all, you grow up in a very like staunch fundamentalistic home, right? Where everything you know is this. And then you write a book and you make millions of dollars, right? I mean, you can fall in love with Christianity and never really know Christ. Um, just like I think there's followers of Jesus that enjoy the recognition, that enjoy the signs and wonders, that enjoyed being a part of this thing. But Jesus even said I, I didn't i don't even know you right. you know and they're, do they're not prophesy in your name in your name cast out demons and in your name do many right. marvelous works and then i will profess to them. or they went out from us because they weren't really right. of from us, us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so all right well questions from the sermons anything that wasn't clear anything you guys want to talk a little bit further about 
Yeah, th this wasn't necessarily clear, but I have thought a lot about this before. Um, I'm going to read this pas passage that has, I've thought about, Romans 3, 10 through 12. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is not. There is no one who does good, not even one. So um, yesterday you were kind of joking about like the good guy that everybody knows. and Good guy. So is it a facade that a non-believer is putting on when i mean i see them truly genuinely serving others i mean are they doing are they not doing good or maybe the definition of good should be redefined what do you think there yeah i think that's i mean i think when you're that passage you're talking about and and you know of course paul is quoting from isaiah um in, in, in light of God's glory and in light of God's design and in light of God's order, no one lives up to that. No one is good compared to that. Now, in God's, the order of God's common grace, there's enough image of God in us mm -hmm. that we recognize some, that we recognize good and beauty and righteousness. Yeah, but we are all fallen and this is what's this is what's hard for us to understand and so fallen in the light of an almighty god that compared to him we're not good we're not even close to good hmm. um and so to you and i we recognize these things as good and 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 as i would say like there is a reflection of good hmm. in a lot of things that believers and unbelievers and a lot of people do um, but compared to God, we're not good. And, and the illustration I gave yesterday about the movie is if you really think about, if you really want to start thinking about your righteousness, it's not that we never, um, it's not that we never do good things. It is that we do so many ungood things and our hearts, the thought, when the, the thoughts and intentions of our heart are really judged, no one walks away with their chest stuck out, right? Uh, as I say, like with the screen, the movie screen uh, illustration. And if you're just listening to this, we basically said, it, who who would volunteer to have every thought and deed and intention of your heart known by the whole world or known by everybody in this room? And of course, no one would want that. Everyone would be so embarrassed, so ashamed if that were to ever happen. And why is that? If you were truly good, you'd be proud of that. If you were truly good, you'd be happy about that. You know, Jesus has this way throughout his ministry of exposing people when they come to him basically claiming to be good or claiming to obey the law. He kind of finds the one little area in their life. I think of like the rich young ruler. He kind of finds, or even like the, the passage we read this morning, you know, who is my neighbor? He finds like the one little area in their life where they're obviously not mm -hmm. good and he exposes them. Yeah. And, and that's what I think it is. In light of God, we are so exposed for who we really are and no one walks away from that courtroom thinking, I'm a pretty good guy. Yeah. You have something to add? Well, it just that seems like in both those illustrations, um, he, you know, that wasn't his normal response to everyone. But when people um, were arrogant, when people were proud, when people exalted themselves, it seems like that's when he really... When they came to him claiming to be good. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 I mean, even Jesus says, why do you call me good? Right. No one is good. Right. Right. Um, so anyway. Yeah, I think... Uh, that's been the most helpful thing you said so far to me. Like it's, it's the comparison of us to our, our savior who did live a truly good life. It's not that we're not doing good things, but comparatively we don't stand up to 
that person. Yeah, if you took the if you took the most evil person you know, whoever that happens to be, and um, you know he was on one side of the spectrum, and you put Christ on the other side of the spectrum, we like to think as Christians we're a lot closer to Christ. But when you zoom out and look at it from God's point of view. You know, we're very, very, very close. Yeah, yeah. yeah to the evil true. guy. And yeah. God is so righteous yeah. that we're like That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if your middle point is all the people in the world, most of the people you know are pretty good. But if your middle point is God's righteousness versus man's righteousness, we are so far from the middle point of the scale. Right. Believers and non-believers. Right. Yeah. But yeah. as believers, we are not, yeah, we're like, that's almost well, and I would of... even say this: there are some non-believers that are better yeah. than some believers, Unfortunately. right? <laughs> because it's not our righteousness ultimately that we're depending on. Now, yeah. obviously, in a in a ideal world, if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, if you're moving through sanctification, your heart should be more attuned with God than if not. But you know, there's some really, really good. Uh, atheists yeah. and non-believers out there exactly, yeah. in terms of just moral deeds. And that's kind of mm -hmm. the neat, unique thing about Christianity is we, it's not that we, in a sense, we're, yeah, I mean, we're not trusting in our own righteousness to save us. It's not that we get to the end and there's this scale of good deeds versus scale of bad deeds. As, as most people think about God, um, it is that we get to the end and only the blood of Christ can save us because mm -hmm as Lou said, the scale of bad deeds just far outweighs the scale of good deeds. Yeah. Lou, any questions from the sermon? Well, I don't want to speculate, but you know, you, you mentioned yesterday you thought Nicodemus was probably a Christian. Um, you know, I guess the question I have is, I wonder, and we won't know we'll get to heaven, but like, was he a Christian when he talked to Jesus or towards the end after listening to Jesus when he helped bury the Lord's body? you know, in the interim, did he become a Christian? It's, it's really- well, when did Nicodemus become a Christian? Right. Yeah, I mean, so this is one that I don't think you can know, right? right? I mean, like mm -hmm. you said, I mean, obviously I think when Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea uh, are uh, serving our Lord, taking his body off the cross, burying him, there obviously is a love for him and a faith in him. Um, and, and I didn't do a lot of study on this, but I mean, I, I do think it's not in scripture, but there are accounts of, I think in some early writings of Nicodemus being even a leader in the Christian church. And so <clears throat> I think that's out there. Um, the question that I think is an interesting question is when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night in John chapter three, was he regenerate? Mm -hmm. Had he been born again? And I kind of think that he has. So I think that when Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a Pharisee, I gave the illustration of Obama and Trump yesterday. Basically, these mm -hmm. are political rivals. They're rivals in every way. A Pharisee should not go humble himself before Jesus. And so just by the virtue of Nicodemus coming to Jesus, even though it was at night, and asking him these questions and recognizing that he was from God, I think when Jesus says, you know, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again, I think Jesus is saying, the reason you're recognizing this, Nicodemus, is because you are born again. Because you're not just born of flesh, you're actually born of spirit, and the spirit is revealing these things to you. And of course, Nicodemus doesn't even understand it. You know, he doesn't even really understand what Jesus is saying. But I think Jesus is actually explaining to him his own new birth. What were you gonna ask? Yeah, you know, and that could, I don't know that. 
but that's my way I'm reading yeah. this. It's interesting. You know, really what it says is, are you the teacher in Israel? Apparently the guy was like, you know, he was like really, really respected as a, as a teacher and understand, are you the teacher of Israel and do you not understand these things? And so I guess, you know, the thing is when we, when we become Christians, a lot happens to us. I mean, at least two, three dozen things happen the moment the spirit quickens us. And do you really understand? We're justified, we're yes. adopted. Right, we're positionally yeah, sanctified, yeah, exactly, right? yeah. all of that stuff, right? We, we, we're, we're, we're baptized in the spirit. We Holy have spirit been comes. raised. I mean, even right. like things that haven't happened yet, Paul talks about as if they have functionally happened. Right, yeah. so, so, but so the, the point is, so here, you know, here I is, I put my faith in Christ, I believe. Do I understand all this stuff? Do I understand a fraction of all the things that happened the moment the Holy Spirit, you know, quickened me? No, I don't understand everything. Yeah. It takes so that's, time for you to really, really understand. That's what I think is happening yeah. here. I think Nicodemus, he knows a lot of the Bible. Right. I mean, but even Nicodemus hasn't quite put together all the pieces of his own salvation. Especially the born again part. Which to me is really encouraging because there's a lot of people that come to me that I counsel that may be new believers and they're still putting things together, but I sense in their heart, the things that I talked about yesterday, real repentance, a real trust in Jesus and a real love for the things of God. It's not theological knowledge that saves us. Mm -hmm. It's not even understanding that saves us, right? It's it's faith in Jesus that, that and, saves us. And it says grow by grace in grace, but it's probably by grace, grow by grace and by the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we grow in uh, by God's grace and we grow by understanding more about who Jesus is and we understand who Jesus is by spending time in his word. Lupriolo, always putting a good plug in <laughs> for the intake of God's word. And I'm grateful for that. You know what? I think that's a great place to end. Uh, hopefully we'll understand a little bit more next week. We're talking in this sermon about justification, which you could just say is like without understanding justification, all of Christianity falls apart. So uh, you need to be there on Sunday and uh, we'll meet you again next week at uh, for the sermon talk back. So for Tara, Shikadans, Thompson, and Luis Priolo, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.